welcome to Burning the Edge. We would like to welcome to the tea our host, Mr. Arthur Miller Jr. Thank you for listening to the Burning the Edge podcast. Today we have Miss Caitlin Hayes, the new tour director of the First Tea Memphis program. So we want to welcome uh, Miss Caitlin Hayes to the Burning the Edge podcast. She is the first T director, the new first T director in Memphis. Um, how you doing? I'm doing all right. The weather was nice, so I'm feeling good. I know, right? So you today you got the 70 degrees. Did you get out and play golf? No, I didn't. I didn't have a chance. Not okay. Today. That's all right. You, you got plenty of 70 degrees days. I'm, I promise you, 70 degree days are going to be your favorite. Uh, you, you, the eight is going to be a little better. But you're going to hate the 90s, I promise. Because <laughs> we're going to have probably at least three months of the 90s. Wait, what? <laughs> right. <laughs> you you got to be prepared for it because it's going to be June to August. Oh, they didn't tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> for the other you don't know, uh, Kaylin is from Chicago. You're, are you from Chicago originally? So I'm actually from the south suburbs of Chicago, okay. um, outside the Homewood, Flossmoor area, Calumet City area. But okay. my parents are from Chicago. My mom is from the 90s. My dad is from the east side. So Okay. So I'm not real familiar with Chicago like that. So are you saying that you're up at the, you're from the uppity side of Chicago? Is that what you're saying? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say that. <laughs> no. <laughs> so explain to me the south. What did you say? The south suburbs. Yeah, the south suburbs. So pretty much, it's kind of um. Say, uh, you have like a couple of towns outside of Memphis, literally right on the border mm-hmm. of Memphis. You got those towns. Right. I'm literally from a town smack dab south of Chicago. Okay. Right on the outskirts from the where I grew up at on a clear day, you can actually see the Chicago skyline. So, okay. But I I wouldn't say that I'm uppity, you know, <laughs> maybe a little spoiled, but not uppity. Not uppity, okay, okay, yeah. that's cool. All right, we, we can appreciate that. We don't mind a little uppity down here though. You know, we we have our ways in Memphis. Okay. So um, so how long have you been here? Um, I moved here uh November 6th, okay. 2020. So I've okay. only been here about four months or so. Yeah. What brought you to golf? Uh, you want the long version or the condensed <laughs> version? <laughs> Boy, give me the abbreviated version. Not the real abbreviated, but a little abbreviated. Uh, my dad's side of the family comes from Arkansas. Okay. Um, his dad is from Camden, Arkansas, I believe. And he got into golf when he was a kid caddying. Um, some golf courses wouldn't allow African-Americans on the courses. So he kind of stood on the outside when he couldn't go on there onto the course and help out and just kind of watched and developed the love for the game. And was like, I'm going to learn how to play. He learned how to play. He's one of the best golfers that I know. Okay. You now I love my granddad. He's my pride and joy, just like I'm his pride and joy. But, Essentially, he taught all his kids how to play golf, and he said, "I'm gonna teach all my grandkids how to play golf." So That's awesome. the moment we could walk, he put a golf club in our hands. Hey, you know, I'm a firm believer in it. I got some nieces. My niece is coming up; she's four. She already got her first set of plastic golf clubs. You know, like 
all my little God babies, all of them, they getting it. They're going to learn. if I'm not going to force them, but it's going to be there. It's going to be in front of them, you know. Um, so how old is your granddad now? Uh, so I call my granddad Chuck. So when I say Chuck, I'm talking about my granddad. Okay. <laughs> Chuck is, I believe he's in his mid to late 80s. Okay. So he's still playing? Yeah. Oh, yes. Before I came here, uh, the golf course that I worked at uh, had like a little par three golf course, a little short game area. Mm-hmm. And faithfully, every day I would look outside the window when I was taking a break from work. I'll, you know, just creep through and I'll see his car, look up on the practice green because Chuck, he's short game is everything. To him. Yeah. So he was always up there chipping nonstop, had his little tightless bag, and his push cart. He's just over there just chipping away yeah. for hours. Yeah. So uh he plays nonstop. He'll walk the par three. He's in a little league out in northwest Indiana, traveling. If he can play, he will. 100%. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. So being from Chicago, but the the golf season is what about four months? <sighs> no, I would say it's a little bit more than that, if you don't mind enduring the slightly cooler days with the <laughs> Slightly with the chili. <laughs> Hold on. Um, now you gotta think about where you are. This is Memphis <laughs> now. So you say it's slightly cooler. Slightly cooler for us is like 70, 60. You know, if it's below 60, a lot of us won't come outside. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm gonna say like 50 degrees or warmer. Okay, I, um, I can do the fifties. So you'll probably have May, June, July, August, September, and then like a pinch of October. Yeah. So you'll have like a solid four to five months of golf <laughs> up there. So how do you how do you get that good if you, you only got like four or five months to play? <laughs> Shoot, simulators. Yeah. Um, they have domes um in Chicago. So golf domes. Um they it's kind of like a Let's see. I believe there's a YMCA somewhere in Memphis where they have a swimming pool inside of like this dome. Yeah. I can't. I wish I knew that. We always call it a dome. I don't know the exact word for it. But I know what you're you have about. these domes. Yeah. And it's literally just the indoor range. Um, and you can hit golf balls in there. Of course, any of um, your longer irons or woods. You're not going to get a true distance, nor right, are you right, going right. to be able to get a true read of your ball flight. But right. it helps you you know, just adjust certain mechanics in your golf swing to make certain adjustments. So when the weather is 50 or warmer, you can go out there and play. Um, Um, Yeah. So they spend a lot of time uh, in simulators and domes, just practicing. Some golf courses are open year round for those random days where it's 60, (laughs) 60 in November. And they'll be like, okay, well, people can come on out and then you'll get a chance to go play. Yeah. Um, and then some places have heated ranges, so you can still you can still hit outside. It's just it's cold. Yeah. It's cold. I wouldn't do it. <laughs> that's so, what they do. So what what um so you learn how to play from your granddad and your dad. So how did your career start in golf? <sighs> Let's see. Uh, it's all first tee, honestly. Um I was nine years old on the golf course arguing with my granddad because I was the first girl <laughs> that he had all sons. So I was his, his first girl working with. Wow. Um, and uh, 
first tee, the executive director saw us up there bickering and then they recruited me as a participant. Really? Um, me, yeah, they when I was about nine years old, so they snagged me and my little sister. Uh, we both can play. Uh, I'm it's recorded, but she's better than me. I'm just not going to let her hear this. Uh, <laughs> Kelsey's a better golfer than me. But um, I grew up in the first C program on and off. I play other sports. Um, but Chuck said, spring, you know, you can do tennis. Fall, you can cheerlead. But summer is golf. Winter is practice. Summer is golf. Um, yeah. But I was, uh, I grew up in the first C program of uh, Lake County, formerly known as First C Hammond. Aged out. They said, you want to be a coach? I said, sure, why not? Um, went away to school. I went to University of Missouri for a year down in Columbia. Realized, uh, I don't think it was a good, I was like, eh, that's not a good fit for me. So let me go back home and reevaluate some of my goals. And while I was back, I was like, you know, I want to get back into coaching. Um, and I ended up deciding to stay in the area. And I transitioned from part-time seasonal to part-time annual coach and then got shifted up to admin assistant, then program coordinator. And then I just kind of got some traction with first team. And uh, I'm considering the LPGA. Shout out to McKenzie. Really? Um, yeah, I'm, it's, it's lingering at the back of my head. I'm, yeah. I'm considering it. Um, McKenzie actually was one of the first African-American female golfers that I ever met. And that was involved with the LPGA. Um, and it was a long time ago when I met her. And it was only for like a quick second. But it was enough for it to stick. Um, it was actually her and Brittany Lott down in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, I was like, man, you know, maybe I might be able to do something with golf outside of just playing. Right. Um, and I chose to stick with it. My mentor, Tiffany, Tiffany English, took me under her wing and showed me just the management side of golf um, and a youth development for nonprofits. So I said, I kind of like this. Yeah, so, keep doing it. So that's awesome. So your story is, I guess, what First Tee is all about. I mean, from nine years old up to now, you're an actual, you know, director of a program. That is awesome. I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah, it's a, it's a more, uh, it's it's a lot more to it, but. You know, golf literally does give us the tools to help us succeed, no matter where it's where whether we're involved in golf, they provide so many different outlets outside of First Tee because of the relationships that First Tee has established with other organizations and companies um, across the honestly across the globe. Yeah. So that kind of helped that kind of helped propel me into this position. Um, and when I found out that it was in Memphis, I've never been to Memphis before I moved here. Really? <laughs> uh, really. But uh, I wanted to show young girls that you can do this, too. Yeah. And, you know, First Tee is more than just learning about golf. <laughs> and, you know, it inspires us. And a lot of the kids um, that I came out of my First Tee program with are huge advocates in their community or whatever community they reside in and they use golf as their foundation for it. So just to be a part of that, um, it sometimes makes me want to cry. I'm not going to lie. Oh, don't cry. I, here. No crying. No, no, crying. <laughs> no crying. Let's move to something else. Then. No crying. Okay. So, um, 
So you came up through the program, and so you you did the one year at Columbia. Is that the only um, after high school education that you have, or no? Um, everyone's path is different. I was just trying to figure out mine. I knew that I needed to be in school <laughs> and get knock the prereqs out at least right. uh, while I figured it out. So right. I went to a community college, okay, in my, uh, neighborhood. Then I decided. Uh, let me check out some universities in the area. I checked out University of Illinois in Chicago. I checked out DePaul, Loyola, um, North Central College in Naperville, uh, NIU, EIU, which is Northern Illinois University, Eastern Illinois University. I never thought uh, to look into Indiana, so I decided to check out Valparaiso University, which is a private college. And then I found Purdue University, Calumet, which is one of the smaller campuses from the Purdue University down in West Lafayette. Um, and I said, you know what? I think I like Purdue. I like Purdue Northwest, uh, for what they have and what it costs and the experience that I'll get while also being able to continue my, um, journey with First Tee. I think that this is the university that fits me best. So I went to Purdue University Northwest and I got my bachelor's degree in biological sciences. And I mainly focused my final year of school on, um, microplastic pollution and open bodies of water and how to measure it and determine what plastics are can be found in that water. So, so I'm talking to a big brain then. See, you biological, <laughs> oh my goodness, I did not know that. Yeah, it's uh people don't know today so they ask, but right. I don't usually broad I don't usually broadcast it. They usually assume that I'm LPGA or PGA or I went to school for management <laughs> or business. Yeah. And I say no. Biology. <laughs> that is, yeah, you big brain then, you know, because you know everybody can't do biology. Yeah, I didn't think I could either, but I kept passing, so yeah. I stuck with it. <laughs> I hear you. So this is, you know, I'm gonna break a southern rule because normally we don't do these kind of things. We're gentlemen down here, but I'm gonna break a rule. Um, how old are you, Caitlin? I'm 27. 27. Okay, so you still a baby. You still young enough. So you graduated about six years ago, five years ago? Actually, no, I just graduated. Okay. I worked and paid my way through school on my own. Really? Oh, yeah. That is I awesome. Did, did you did yeah. you go out and hustle folk on the golf course to help pay for it? Or? No, my time literally was just um, improving first seed programming at the chapter that I was at in school. And that was it. And then I became co-site director of our girls' golf program. And yeah. I have a passion for introducing the game to young girls. So I grew our girls' golf, girls golf program. Uh, they ended up having over 120 or 30 girls. And it really? was the three or four years that I had been doing it. Um, and I just wanted to make golf fun. I was right. like, golf, I was like, it's fun, y'all. Yeah. Come on out. Yeah. Play some music, have some games walk around, help each other. And it kind of just built a community of golf for right. our young girls. They range from as young as four years old. And the oldest girl that we had was like 18. And uh, I literally dedicated my time to first see girls golf in school. Yeah, I so. see. That's that's awesome, though. So yeah. after graduating from Purdue, how did you, where did you go from there? You just continued to work with the first tee up there? And um, mm -hmm. so how did you decide on Memphis? Was that the first opening that you saw or did McKenzie put you on it or what? 
Um, so after I graduated, I knew that I wanted to stay in nonprofit. So I started looking up nonprofit uh, directors of de- not development, but of programming, just to different organizations, certain uh, some executive director roles, because I can also handle that responsibility to a certain extent. Um, and I was actually a finalist for City Year Dallas, and I had my heart set on it. Um, and I got that call and they said, you know, we kind of needed someone already in the school districts down here. So I was a little hurt. I had got a job offer too out in, um, where was it? Uh, Phoenix, Arizona, mm-hmm. uh, for the boys and girls club for one of their directors, uh, director positions out there. But I said, no, it just, it didn't, I don't know. It didn't call to me. Um, and then my executive director, Tiffany was uh, or is close with Percy, Tennessee's executive director, Josh. And uh, for some reason, my name kept popping up between them. And then Percy headquarters down in Florida also kept throwing my name out there. So my ED said, hey, how how do you feel about Memphis? And I said, (laughs) I don't know. Why? Um, (laughs) I spoke to Josh a couple of times and he said, hey, you know let me fly you out here really quick. So I ended up meeting with everyone at, t- uh, what is it? The uh, Tennessee golf foundation, the golf house in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And I actually met some people who were familiar with some golf courses back home. So that kind of made me happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, Josh said, all right, well, we're going to drive from Nashville to Memphis. And I said, Oh, I just got here though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then I met McKenzie and then I met Javon, who was a program director uh, here as well. And I met them, and a couple weeks later, they offered me the job. And uh, I was like, man, succeeding McKenzie is awesome, you know, considering how, like, literally, she's ingrained in my brain. I could never forget her, even if I wanted to. And then, you know, for her to be such a trailblazer for African-American women with yeah. the golf industry, you know, that's amazing. I'm glad that I have established a more permanent relationship with her by doing this. Um, and then I just, they offered me the job. I thought about it, you know, a couple of negotiations, uh, you know, the usual. Yeah. And I said, all right, well, I guess I'm going to Memphis. And so, now so the, what, did, what did Chuck say about going to Memphis? Oh, so Chuck was so happy. Um, I had family out in Helena in West Helena, Arkansas. So my my grandmother and him would spend a lot of time out there. He said, man, there's so many golf courses out there. There's a, a TPC Southwind. Like, man, like, I can't wait to come. It's going to be so much warmer. We could play so much golf. I said, well, hold, hold your boat, Chuck. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> hold on. Uh, it's, it's still a pandemic. But uh, he was, it, it, I think that he's very proud that I've used the tool that he's given me um, and kind of made it my own. Um, and it's helped propel me in my career. So he's proud. He's happy. He was happy that I was coaching at first tee when I was 18, (laughs) you know? Um, so he, he sees how myself and my sister have used golf as a tool um, to help us succeed. Um, so he's just happy. You talk about crying. He might cry. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. I mean, really, I, my daughter played for like a minute. And she, um, her, I, I'm not gonna say, but anyway, she didn't, she didn't catch it like I thought. She didn't catch the bug or whatever. And she actually had chipped in, um, 
from you know off the edge or whatever she chipped in and i was like i've never done that how did you you know and that was and that was a few years ago but um but it was just um i tried to get her to it but it just it, she didn't catch the book but it, it was okay though you know i i'm gonna say about two three years ago the bug that i had for golf was fading um and I'm not going to say that it's, it's shining bright right now because um, a lot of my time is focused in the office. Um, but I, I had the opportunity to work with the women's league back home. Mm-hmm. And it was just something about seeing all of them come together and just have a good time out there. And yeah. I was like, I was like, I want that. <laughs> I, right. want, I, I made so many friends just helping out. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to reach out to them as soon as I get off this, uh, <laughs> this call. Cause you know, I miss them um, and the camaraderie that will happen out there with the women because yeah. it's assumed that that we don't get that out there. And we do. You just have to go and see it. You're just like, man, I don't have to like love, love, love golf. Right. But I can do it, hang out with my friends, get better and not even know it. And then it's like you you develop this this uh, this fire for it, just right. for the social aspect of it. And I feel like sometimes that gets overlooked when it comes to women playing golf, the social aspect of golf. But that reignited me. And I was like, I want to show girls that we have this too. So hence the girls golf program. Yeah. So (laughs) what's your handicap? Uh, Let's see from the women's tees, like nine. Yeah, that's not bad. That's better than mine. Mine is terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's when I'm kind of practicing. Yeah. Now, if I was practicing, it'll probably drop down to about a six. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So I'm, you said your sister is better. Yes. I How much better is she? Huh? <sighs> She's more accurate. Okay. She's way more accurate because okay. uh, she doesn't go so hard. And swing so hard, so her tempo is a little bit better. Her swing is so smooth. When I look at it, I'm like, to me, it's lazy. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> when I go to it, it's like I'm like it's all or nothing. Right. So because I'm like that when I'm approaching the ball, I tend to lose control a lot. Yeah. Um. But the more that I practice, I slow down, get my tempo right. Right. And then I kind of just rebuild everything from there. Let the muscle memory kick in. But yeah. Kelsey. That's my little sister. Kelsey yeah. is the better golfer. Yeah. Um, I will be sharing the link to this, uh, to this, <laughs> this podcast with her so she can have proof that I've admitted it and I've accepted yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but Kelsey, between the two of us, Kelsey is the more accurate uh, golfer. She is better. Uh, I might get there faster, but yeah. she gets to the hole <laughs> a lot sooner than I do. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. You know. But, um, so is yeah, she following better. your footsteps or as far as no. like, um, no, no. Okay. So Kelsey, uh, Kelsey also is a coach for first team okay. or a life skills instructor. And yeah. then, uh, she helped out a lot with our girls golf program back home. Okay. Um, she's a finance major at a university back in Illinois. Um, but she, she does use golf as one of her tools. Like I said, yeah. Golf is that sport where a lot of business decisions are made. Oh, absolutely. Uh, on the fairway. So yeah. um, that's one of the things that kind of set her apart is because she has that skill. And people are shocked by it <laughs> when she goes and she just she just 
pops her right out there. Yeah. Smack dab in the middle of the fairway. Yeah. You know, maybe about, I'm going to give her about 210 yards. Yeah. Um, and they're just like, whoa, like, okay. And then she's just like, she's very social. So it's, you can't help but gravitate to her, especially when she's out there on the golf course. Yeah. So she's using that, um, her golf skill for her professional development within the business world and finance. What is, tell me about, um, what you have planned for the first T program this year. Uh, spring is coming soon. So, you know. Uh-huh. It's not like Chicago. We're going to have some great weather <laughs> this month. It's coming. I promise you. I know we had the snow a couple weeks ago, but I promise you the weather is about to be amazing. So what, what do you have planned coming up? Um, so one thing that I'm bringing to Memphis is a target class um, or a tar- let me say target clinic. Mm-hmm. There are four or five year olds that want to play golf. Their parents are interested in getting them started, but they just don't know what to do. Um, so I've introduced two free target clinics just for feeler for parents who want to test the waters a little bit and it's free. Space is very limited. Um, at what the links of Whitehaven or the links at Whitehaven. Yes. Yeah. Um, I brought that back. Well, I've brought that here and introduced it um to the area. What else did I bring? Or so where where is the advertisement? What kind of advertisement are you doing for the target clinic? None. It's <laughs> I haven't I haven't said anything about it. Okay. I haven't posted it. I've no actually I posted a flyer on our first team Memphis Instagram account and then our Facebook, which is first team Memphis. Um and that was just it. It said that okay. there was a target clinic on Wednesday and then there was a target clinic on Friday in okay. April, the first week in April. Yeah. Um people are curious. So yeah. they'll check out our site and then they'll see it and then they register. So I yeah. haven't had, I haven't had to say anything about the target. People are just registering. Really? Um, yeah. Cause a lot of like they have multiple kids and they're like, Oh, I can get Johnny signed up for this, uh, for our actual session because he's seven, but you know, his little sister, she might like it too, but I don't want to pay that same amount of money to get her involved. And she's so young and the attention spans, you know, they're very limited. Um, so I was like, I'll offer a free target class so they can try it out. And if they like it, then I'll offer some more. Right. Um, they're only like 30 or 45 minutes. Um, nothing too strenuous on us. Don't want to upset the kids by trying to get them to do the same thing over and over and over. Right. Um, so Javon and I have implemented that. Uh, we have a new thing called practice and play club mm-hmm. for, the more advanced golfers who shoot double par are better. Um, the age restriction, I believe, is six to eighteen. They just have to shoot double par better from the women's tees. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about practice and play is they get one hour of instruction, and then the last three hours they get to actually go out on the golf course and get additional help while they're playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of our board members, Lauren Roberts, really wants to get involved. So that's one of the things that he's going to be involved in coming out and playing with the kids and also assisting them out there. The women, the women's league back home that I participated in, it was a similar format. Um, they'll play different golf courses too. So we have Pine Hill, Glen Eagle, Timber Trust, Whitehaven, Audubon. So they get to travel to these different courses and experience the different layouts, uh, possibly experience different coaches, different uh, different techniques that our different coaches use. 
um, and just try and figure out what method works best for them while actually being out there. Um, so I hope that they like that. We've introduced a high school class for beginner to intermediate high schoolers who want to play golf or they're new to it. Um, it's a, like a fast track program. Um, so if they end up taking the liking to it and continue to practice, then we can feed them into our golf squad for the advanced golfers. Then practice logs. I want to encourage the kids to practice outside of lessons. Yeah. So for prizes, I'm going to have them record their practices okay. and the parents sign off on it. Yeah, that's a good session. idea. Yeah, they turn it in and whoever has the most practice hours logged by the end of the golf season will win a prize. Yeah. So I just want to encourage them, like, don't just practice here. I want you to practice when you're outside of here because this class is just handing you the tools. But when you leave, that's what really determines whether you're going to use what we've given you or not. Right. So hopefully the practice log will be an incentive to get them out there playing more outside of the classroom setup. And there are actually tips on the practice log too to help the parents coach them as well because we won't be present. So, so we're so you said the space is limited now for the target mm-hmm. classes. Uh huh. So where would they go if they? I mean, if we had some kids that wanted that was interested, or parents that wanted to get their kids into that, into the target class. Yes. Uh, right now, space is still open. Mm-hmm. Um, so you would just go to our website, firsttennessee.org. Okay. Uh, click on register in the top right-hand corner. Click on 2021 Memphis region. Mm-hmm. You create an account and then create a, a secondary account for your kids. And it'll tell you what classes, but you'll find the target class listed under the 2021 region area. Okay. So you just go in there, register them. It's really quick. And uh yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Since it's free, you just do sign the waivers, click checkout, and then bada boom, bada bam. <laughs> That'll work. Thank you for listening to Burn the Edge podcast. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Miss Caitlin Hayes, the new tour, tour director of the First T Memphis program. Come back next week where she explains how she's going to take her experience from Memphis to get all the smoke in Chicago. Mm-hmm.